This is a Yokogawa Australia New Zealand podcast. Welcome back to Yokogawa Debunks, conversations with industry experts to demystify misconceptions we hear in process instrumentation and industrial automation. I'm your host, Sean Cowhill, and thank you for joining us. Now with us again today is Tony Farrow, Product Manager for Transmitters at Yokogawa Australia and New Zealand. Now in our last episode, we delved into what is currently happening with communications protocols in transmitters, and we were wondering whether there's any truth to the 4 to 20 milliamp heart might be superseded by Ethernet. We also posed a question to Tony about transducers versus transmitters, and today we continue our chat with him. So, Tony, welcome back. Thanks, Sean. Good to be back on you, with you on the podcast this morning. Now, Tony, just starting off today, of, of, of all the choices out there from different manufacturers that make pressure transmitters, it seems to be that sensitivity becomes a competitive feature and that everyone's sensors are getting more and more accurate. We are experienced. Do you think it's true that sensitivity and accuracy really matter to um, end users? Absolutely, Sean. Um, most technologies have evolved uh, with higher accuracy. And that's one of those specifications that quite often is uh, used to try and lock out uh, different technologies. When you look at the trend in the world in general, there's probably only around 2 to 2 to 3% of measurements that really require a, a, a very, very accurate measurement. That would be across a broad spectrum of industries ranging from chemical, petrochemical, mining and all other industries. When we look at oil and gas in particular as an example, um, one of those applications where this extremely high accuracy is required would be balances over plants of the raw product in and the final product out. However, that is really a uh, very small segment of the process. In the general processing in other areas, repeatability is rather more critical um, and a uh, constant requirement within the processing. So if you looked at a level in particular, whether the level is being controlled at 52 or 55%, it doesn't really matter as long as it remains within a small bandwidth of 3 or 4% in many instances. So the extreme high accuracy would not be of such a critical aspect for that type of application. Does that answer the question for you, Sean? Oh, thanks, Tony. It certainly does. And, and thank you for that concise response there. Now, look, I've got another question for here, Tony, which, which is with regard to IoT developments. Now, it seems that pressure transmitters will eventually be downsized and, and miniaturized, if you believe what you hear. In your experience, do you think this will happen? And um, is it something that you envisage will change transmitters as we know them? Sean, yeah, I uh, absolutely think that there, there is uh, evolution in the transmitter technologies, but it's going to take some time before we're going to get to having a miniaturization version of a very robust industrial-type pressure sensor that is acceptable to all industries. Uh, One of the limitations within the miniaturization that presents challenges to the users is the inflexibility within these devices. Quite often, what you order is what you get. The transmitter comes with a fixed range and very little diagnostics. One of the other challenges is communications with these devices that may require certain types of peripheral devices for interfacing to extract some of the data from these devices, which in in turn presents another requirement for different skill sets within an operation. This is another challenge for the user of these type of devices. 
So I feel that diagnostics within the current robust industrial type sensor as a pressure transmitter is still one of the more acceptable pressure sensors in some of the more critical applications. The OEMs like Yokogawa really formulate the manufacturing and designs of the devices to meet global requirements. Thanks for that, Tony. I think that's, uh, that's, that's, that's a good response about how technology sometimes needs to evolve before um, it's implemented. So uh, it's also brought up a thought to me about a previous question, uh, which was around accuracy. Now, now, something else that seems to be a bit of a specification battle between vendors is the long-term stability of, of a pressure sensor. In your opinion, what would cause a pressure transmitter to lose its repeatability? And, uh, and what kind of things can you do to prevent that from happening? So I guess we need to firstly look at what the causes are for this type of uh, an occurrence. And very often this is as a result of some hiccups in the processes that would result in out-of-specifications events that occur. In particular, one of the worst events that occur is overpressuring of pressure transmitters. Now, in an overpressure scenario, the transmitter that's measuring the pressure, the design of the transmitter very much determines what the accuracy would be of the transmitter. So if we take a technology like a passenger technology effectively, which I would relate to in a very simple analogy, analogy of a flexible sheet of metal. Let's say we take this sheet of metal and we hand it to Peter. And with, along with that piece of metal, I give Peter a hammer. I ask Peter to give that sheet of metal a smack. It will deform the sheet of metal. We take that very same sheet of metal that's now deformed and give it to Jack with the same hammer. I request Jack to give that sheet of metal a blow on the opposite side to try and reshape that sheet of metal back to what it was before Jack had given it the first blow. I can guarantee you that that sheet of metal will never return to its original state. So in essence, the capacitance technology, being a floating cell, has the effect that when an overpressure event occurs, the shape on the capacitance sensor will then deform, which will then give it an offset, which we call shift or drift. So effectively, the stability on that device would be guaranteed under very limited conditions. However, when you look at some of the more advanced technologies, like Yokogawa's DP hop technology with the overpressure design and stability within that device, the stability of the transmitter is guaranteed up to maximum working pressure. This kind of changes the dynamics of the operation with a transmitter that has that kind of stability. So it's really, very different to have a technology where stability is guaranteed right to the maximum working pressure. And this is something that the user would have to determine which technology is best suited for their application. Thank you, Tony. I look, I think certainly within some of the, uh, uh, the continuous industries, you know, that type of stability is, is going to be critical, but it's even more so now as we move into other industries where um, productivity is being measured to the nth degree. So that's a fantastic uh, response there, Tony. Now, one other myth that we've got amongst you, uh, end users is that pressure transmitters is that they're actually very simple devices that they have very limited diagnostic capabilities. What would you say to those who say that transmitters are not really smart enough? Very interesting question there, Sean. <laughs> the, uh, in, in the days of transmitter technologies where the majority of transmitters have a significant amount of diagnostics inbuilt into their designs. However, if I had to take the example of a Yokogawa pressure transmitter going back to the late 80s, 
the diagnostics was very limited. And in fact, the diagnostic display on the transmitter would be in some form of a code, as an error code. In today's technology, the transmitter actually gives you a descriptor, which will guide and steer the operator into the direction of possibly where the root cause of the problem might be. However, embedded in this technology is higher diagnostics that is recorded in the microprocessor. This, however, is only accessible by the OEM that can then be utilized to assist the operator with diagnosing what the potential error could have been caused by and effectively then, with operations, work towards a solution to try and negate the effects or cause of that event. And that would then hopefully assist them in circumnavigating some of the technical problems and challenges which very often the operator or the maintenance crew would not have any idea of. Thanks, Tony. We've actually covered quite a few um, very important topics over the previous podcast and on this one as well. As we move towards the end of today's podcast, is there anything else that you'd like to add to this episode or any other comments or experiences you'd like to share? Well, yeah, I've had a few uh, interesting ones where we've gone around and looked at some of the uh, challenging applications in some of the mining uh, situations and um, you do a little bit of training with the boys and give them a bit of insight into uh, what um, technologies can do and what it's all about. And quite often you have some uh, interesting questions that come from the floor. One of them being, why is Yokogawa transmitters green? So for this young lad, I uh, looked at it and I said to him, mate, uh, you know, if you look at it, green is a, is a very um, soft color. It blends in with nature. So in the background there, Yokogawa with the R&D looked at um, this subtle green color and identified with it very much like the military, almost like a camouflage. And the dynamics of it was that it's very soft on the eye. So that's one of the key reasons why Yokogawa transmitters are green. Well, the, <laughs> the events that occurred after that was this lad ran off to his engineer and said, that's it, I found out why Yokogawa is green. <laughs> They're soft on the eye. <laughs> and uh, you, you, can, uh, you can think uh, what the engineer's response to that was. <laughs> so we had a good laugh afterwards and uh, I informed the young guy that um, it was just one of my little quirks on uh, the color selection of Yokogawa's transmitters. Nothing to do with that, but it's just our unique dynamic coloring of our devices. Thanks, Tony. Thanks very much for your insight. Look, it's it's been really good to uh, hear you debunk these uh, these misconceptions and actually share some of your experiences for the for the many years that you've you've um, you've had in the industry. And uh, we'd expect you to have you for future episodes of Yokogawa Debunks as well. So, um, thank you very much for your uh, your contributions, Tony. Thank you, Sean. I I appreciate the uh, the opportunity to share some of my experiences, and hopefully that can be used by some of our users out in the field. Have a good day. Thank you, everybody, for joining. Uh, that brings to the end this episode of Yokogawa Debunks. We look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you very much. <laughs>